Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. NFL Trend Zone. I am Dustin Baker here with Wes Johnson, Cody Spears, Jason Bowen, and a couple Bears fans, our usual from Chicagoland, or at least uh, Bears fans in general, Jonathan Baskerville and Alfredo joining us tonight. We're going to go over all the items that shocked each one of us from week four and then look at some uh, big high-level items in week five and probably talk about some Vikings Bears, the two Bears enthusiasts in the house. Foremost, however, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests, events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, even golf. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news and all of the game trends. Always uh, find the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports at bet online. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus. Yes, 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. But you got to use this promo code BLEAV, believe, BLEAV to receive that free money. One. Bet online where the game starts. The NFL trend zone. We're looking back at week four, preparing for week five. We've got the usual format. I know in the promo, I teased some Bears guests, but it turns out because of a scheduling kerfuffle, that they're not going to be here. And I'm not sure when we'll talk to them again, but hopefully it's soon. And they can tell us about those rip roaring two and two bears, but now they're not here. So we can make fun of them. Um, but <laughs> I, I don't have a whole lot of bear stuff on the docket. Maybe we'll touch on Vikings bears, but I will get us off the schneid here. The Steelers are on track for their first bad year since 2003 when they went six and 10. Now, of course, we got a little peek at Kenny Pickett and he injected some energy and a couple Russian touchdowns and three picks that evidently weren't his fault. If you ask a Steelers fan, but they they played the Bills this weekend, which means they'll be one in four. So unless Kenny Pickett has Mahomes like genetics for the first time in about 20 years, the uh, Steelers are heading towards a losing season. And it feels really weird. So that's my first big extraction from week four is they lost to the Jets. And they don't usually do that. Cody, you've got a diminished is it voice box. You're not feeling well, but you, you do the best you can, sir. You tell us one thing that you noticed in week four that you want the world to know about. Yeah, sweet. I'll just take that segue right off your hands and talk about how the Bills <laughs> might have a trap game on their hands. Ooh. Uh, like you said, Pittsburgh is traveling to their first losing record but they also uh the bills also travel to kansas city next week and are prone to botching layup games like this in the past um i thought kenny pickett provided a great spark to the team george pickens their new coveted receiver that just the next man up in that long history of receivers on that team he went over 100 yards receiving and kenny pickett was rushing in the red zone like we haven't i mean i haven't never seen that happen in pittsburgh in <laughs> my lifetime um so uh the bills like i mentioned they're prone to uh botching layup games like this in the past like jacksonville last year mike tomlin however is going to be looking up to play it to level the bill despite being a massive underdog the weakness here with the bills struggling to stop the run they allowed 162 yards and a tutty on the ground last week and with the steelers sporting a rookie quarterback who like i said did provide a spark to this offense I'm looking for Najee Harris and Mike Tomlin to figure this three-game skid out. 
And, you know, Mike Tomlin has never lost four in a row with the Steelers. This is all, it's like a changing of the guard in the NFL. And if uh, they continue to play like they have been and lose to the Bills, like you said, that's a lost season right there. All right, sir, I got to call you out on the carpet here. They are 14-point underdogs. Are you are you taking yeah. the Steelers straight up, or are you just going to say it's going to be competitive? <laughs> it will not be a blowout like everybody's talking about. Every time the bill, they talk about the Bills are for sure going to win a game. Well, I don't want to say every time, but um, this does definitely feel like a trap game. You know Buffalo has that Kansas City game circled on their calendar, and they have since the schedule came out. I'm going to have to go do the digging on that. Um, and see if I can tweet about just to add mm-hmm. add a little bit of color to that too. Uh, this is from Missy Matthews, uh, NFL research. Uh, Steelers rookie quarterback Kenny Pickett's first start will come against the Bills' number one pass defense. The <laughs> last rookie quarterback to beat the number one pass defense in his first career start was Ben Roethlisberger in 2004. That's correct. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, hopefully Najee Harris gets going. I know I have like one or two shares of him in fantasy and it has not been fun to be on that train. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to go do the homework on that because I don't think in our adult life the Steelers have ever been two touchdown favorites, but I will go find <laughs> find it. out and do the homework and tweet that bitch. Uh, Jason, so we, we covered Steelers and Bills. You want to add more into that or give us <laughs> something you learned in week four? Well, I'm excited to see the the Jets. Uh, my Jets. Remember, I called them to be good at the, the beginning <laughs> of this year. I'm not going to let that one die easy. Um, you know, and I never, I never thought of this either. Um, and I don't know that you can really consider this a trap game. We're talking about what, what we're surprised about last week. Yes. Um, I was shocked at, to see how how quickly the tides turned in Philly. Um, God, the I turned it on. Jags were doing well, and then I well, we all know what the game changing moment was for that when they tried to go to go for it on fourth. Um, so I was surprised at how quickly that crumbled for them, but I was also surprised a little bit at how quickly and easy it looked for the Eagles to get back in the Schneid there. So that was a great game. Um, I was I was very pleased to see that. Um, that game. And then another, another surprise for me, and it, it, it shouldn't, it won't surprise any of you guys, but it makes me happy to say the least was the Niners winning pretty easily against the Rams. And I know Dustin, you think the Rams are kind of done with, right. Um, kind of, I mean, not really done, but it makes me feel that much better that we got to win against a good team this year. <laughs> uh, they're, they're number five in the power rankings. According to NFL network, I saw Yeah, the two and two. Yeah, the Rams are su- suffering from the Lions version of Stafford, and I just don't think they quite have the hunger they had last year yet. Yeah, I was surprised to see the 49ers up there top five in the power rankings. I thought for <laughs> sure you would maybe at least have the Ravens ahead of them. But I know as soon as I jump off that bandwagon, here comes everybody else. <laughs> well, so, yeah, that's another reason. You know, I, I the, the Broncos got a victory against a top five power ranked team. I'd rather have a two and two a fledgling squad this year than a three and O squad last year that once they started playing anybody with any re- resembling um, a decent team, then they start, they, they went on like a five game losing streak. So <laughs> uh, speaking of the Broncos, who's the new guy, who's the new running back that's going to get most of the workload. Is that Mike Boone? You're my insider here, Jason. Oh man. I think Melvin Gordon's going to have a huge game tomorrow. I really okay. do. I mean, really I, uh, 
I think uh, I think this is going to be weird. It's going to work out in his favor in a really, really weird way. And, and it shouldn't. Losing a guy like Javante should not be. Uh, it should. It's not. It certainly isn't a good thing. And I'm not saying that. But I think at least for this one game, um, you know, I, Melvin, I think is going to get in Boone, too. I mean, Boone needs to get more active. Uh, Latavius Murray, they just signed on. Who knows how long they'll keep him on the roster. They got another guy on the practice squad. But I think I think Gordon's going to. Definitely get his fair share, and it might benefit him. Shoot, we had Mike Boone run for like 140 yards uh, his last year with us. I think it was against the Bears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he 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 has looked reasonably good, and and you know last year you could have chalked it up. Well, how come they never play this guy? Peyton brought him in. You know, obviously, kind of followed Peyton to Denver, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. But he just has not gotten any time, and they should have sprinkled him in before the injury even happened, in my opinion. He's kind of yeah. exciting, quick guy. Yeah, he was, pretty good. he was definitely quick. Yeah, I remember that. I like his running style, but yeah, I don't know if we'll see. I think we'll see uh, a decent amount of him on uh, tomorrow night, though, for sure. I'm doing my uh, homework here, and I got to do a little bit more crossing uh, T's and dotting I's, but it appears. The Steelers have never been a two touchdown underdog. Um, I'm ba- I'm back to 1986. Um, <laughs> see, this whole game is just setting up to be weird, and the Bills are the perfect team to just fall flat. I mean, normally it would be the Cowboys in that position, but the Cowboys aren't as good as the Bills to be yeah, 14 points. And for what favorites. it's worth, there everybody, everybody, all the all the fans in Denver want Melvin Gordon cut immediately. Well, he's a fumble merchant, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, unbelievable. Fumble I mean, merchant. it's like, man, that poor guy. It's like, geez. Yep. Fumble will yeah, do it. And right after Rush a great looking run, too. Great looking run. Guy looks good. 98% of the game, he just fumbles the ball away. Well, it, it, you can, the swings from fans are humongous. I, I, I dug into halftime of the Packers Patriots game on some Packers thread. <laughs> People were legitimately calling for love. <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh and I, I wasn't satire either it was like the guy throws one pick six and you're ready to bench him it's like good god like oh, once every three years he throws one i think every fan base has got that that uh mob of fans yeah. fire everybody <laughs> <laughs> jeez all right west it's taking us about five six minutes to get to you what's your first standout from week four surprising item uh surprising item was the uh to a uh, handling or uh, his concussion and likely repeat concussion uh, five days after uh, what was probably his initial concussion. Um, and just the, the overall player safety for um, Thursday night games. I mean, um, the NFL is asking these guys to turn, turn around and, heal their bodies and play a, a physical game of, you know, four days after they just laid it all on the line. Um, it likely won't happen, but uh, Warren Sharp, he brought up a, a good um, idea or a point. Uh, the teams that are scheduled to play on the Thursday game should be doing so coming off of a bye. Um, that would give them like 10 days off and then another um eight or nine days off uh before they play again so they they would have the initial 10 days off until that thursday game and then they would have um an additional eight or nine games games off until that following sunday's game um and 
the NFL instituted concussion protocol in 2011, and it, I'm, it's kind of seeming like just now they are figuring out what they want to do about it or what to do about it. And I, I know it's not pigeonholed into any one thing. It's a evolving topic and subject. Um, but I don't think anybody can sit here who, that watched the game and said that that wasn't a scary situation for um, an up and coming player. And then when it came out that they fired the one of the people involved who made the decision, then you kind of realize, all right, well, we're not nuts here. He did hit his head and there's more mm-hmm. to it. And I just, yep. I, I'm trying to think anytime, if, I think this month, if they bring Tua back, it's going to feel rotten. But yep. I mean, I, but that you, he, he'll want to play. And right. so, so you're trying to balance what's fair to him versus what are the optics? Because if he comes back against the Vikings the week after that and slams his head into the turf, it's going to be this firestorm all over again. So I don't know how they're going to handle it. Yeah. And, and then, um, as you mentioned, they fired the doctor. They did it in typical NFL fashion and the NFL is notorious for this. They do a either late Friday or early Saturday morning news dump so that it gets lost in the weekend shuffle come Monday. Everybody's talking about the games and nobody's talking about, you know, what took place or transpired uh, Friday or, or Saturday morning. Yeah, that's that's like, uh, you'll know this, Wes. That's politics 101. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. My next big surprise is that the Baker Mayfield experiment with the Panthers has turned dastardly. It's no longer, all right, he needs a couple games to get his feet underneath him. Uh, he is right down there with Justin Fields as one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. And I am I guess they could bench him in favor of Darnold or something. But it's now through four weeks, you have enough of a sample size. And you have idiots like me all summer who say, hey, the guy played hurt. He's actually a good quarterback. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Is he still hurt or he just sucks? Because now that they've hit, they've hit, you know, DEFCOM four or three or whatever, <laughs> whatever the big one is, because he's not working out there. And I know that they've had this just long-standing quest to find a good quarterback. And <laughs> I don't think it's going to end with Baker being the guy because he's just playing so poorly. And it's not even like, oh, he's not quite getting it done. It's that he's blows he's not good Mm -hmm. and yeah yeah, so i don't know what's going to give there but they're probably going to lose to the niners and what would they be one and three one and four by that time Mm -hmm. yeah i'm reading right here baker was pressured on a league low 18 percent of his drop back sunday and completed 15 of 27 for a touchdown (laughs) and two interceptions when facing four (laughs) or fewer pass rushers he had perfect conditions yeah and was just bad just just bad i mean the Carolina's team uh, isn't helping them at all. That whole offense is so bad, which is mind-blowing with CMC and yeah. DJ Moore. Yeah, they've gotten yeah. worse uh, with with Baker, and we didn't think that could happen because Darnold wasn't it either. So, All right, Cody, yeah. what's your next one? Uh, my next one has been uh, the impressive rookies at this point with Pickett coming out and then also Bailey Zappi for the New England Patriots taking the former MVP to the wire. It got me thinking about the rookies, um, which for me, they've been kind of lackluster, at least so far. Uh, Brees Hall has been taking a while to get going. Normally, you got guys like Zeke or 
Najee Harris run into the Pro Bowl in their first year. Well, now we got a bunch of the rookies warming up, and we could already tell um, just from the first quarter of the season. Jacksonville looks like they hit on theirs with Trevon Walker and Greg Lloyd. Both look like they could be top 15 picks. The Jets, um, Jason's favorite team. You got Garrett Wilson, Sauce Gardner, Brees Hall, and Jermaine Johnson. Their top four picks all look fantastic. Garrett Wilson looks like the next big deal at receiver. And then, of course, in Pittsburgh, Pickens and Pickett, I feel like that's a slogan that's just it's just waiting to happen. It's like they, <laughs> they're they going to put it on a T-shirt somewhere. Pickens and Pickett 2023. Mm-hmm. And then um, also that's a good idea. The, that's a hell of an idea. Yeah. Shout out to the <laughs> Texans, Jalen Petrie and Damian Pierce. Both those guys look like cornerstones for the future. Unfortunately for Minnesota, ours got hurt. Today is his 23rd birthday. Lewis Seen, shout out to him over in London. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, the Broncos had no first rounders at all either. So yeah, but our, yeah, bad for our, us, but uh, well, our first rounder or first rounder, our first pick, we'll say, is going to get hopefully a lot of action tomorrow night. So Benito, right? Yeah, I, I haven't really heard about him so far. At this point. he's Have played he... a little bit on special teams and not really okay. contributed a whole lot, but with Gregory being out. Oh yeah, what happened to Gregory? I saw something about him. Well, it wasn't an AC air t- ACL tear, thank God. But he's going to have uh, some minor knee surgery, and he should be back within two to four or two to six. So they'll probably bring him back after the bye. Oh, and I did want to say it's only a matter of time before Isaiah Pacheco in Kansas City takes over. Uh, um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire fooling a lot of people at this point. Guys, just getting lucky with these high value touches. I definitely think Pacheco is still going to be a thing this year. One of three wide receivers with three receiving touchdowns, something like that, <laughs> uh, in NFL history of, within the first four games. I, or I forget what the stat was, but it's some some crazy stat. And, yeah, it's not sustainable for Clyde. Oh, yeah. There. Yeah, for sure not. I had someone trying to trade him for uh, trade for him today. I'm probably going to go accept that after this 2024 <laughs> second rounder. <laughs> Because I know in my luck, I'm going to sit on it for a week and he's going to go out there and Isaiah Pacheco's going to put up 100 yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Jason, what's your next item, sir? What, are we still doing the, the shockers? Yeah, what surprised yeah. you last week? Oh, yeah, man. So um, the uh, the uh, I'm just... Dump. This isn't just one specific game, but I am really, really shocked. And I shouldn't be. I should not be because the last couple of years, we've gotten a pretty good dose of this. And I love it myself. I love it. But there are only three teams. And I don't know the, the NFC stats, but I would imagine that they're pretty similar. Three teams in the AFC that are that have a winning record. Rush two and two or worse. Wow. Uh, the, the, yeah, the parody. That's a bombshell. Is, and I would imagine the NFC has got to be very similar to that because we just you just mentioned earlier with the Bears being two and two, um, you know, the Vikes are three and one. I can and Packers are three and one. Tampa's two and two. Um, you know, I can't think of many other teams if there's many more than three in the NFC either. Well, uh, the Eagles, but and the Cowboys and the Cowboys. <laughs> but yeah, so I love the parody. I love how it is right now. And I hope it stays this way. I really do. I love seeing it where you never really know exactly who is going to win and who's, you know, I mean, it's just, I love, I love it. 
Yeah, that's uh, so Jason, the teams above 500 are the Dolphins, Chiefs and Bills in the AFC. And then the NFC is Eagles, Vikings, Cowboys, Giants and Packers. So, yeah, that AFC one blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. Really cool. uh, Yeah, I think so. And then I know, like I said, we've been getting a good dose of that. You know, it seems like over the last couple of years, I mean, like last year, there was almost all the three teams still in playoff contention after like week 14. (laughs) That's awesome. It is. Uh, Wes, what is your next takeaway from week four? Uh, I will go with the Cowboys. Uh, They, with the loss of Dak, they have been able to tread water. Uh, You figure while Dak was out that they might go something like two and two. Um, But they have been able to tread water and stay in the win column. Um, they have a matchup in Los Angeles against the Rams. And after watching San Francisco demolish that um, offensive line for the Rams, I can't wait to see what the Cowboys do to them. Um, the Cowboys are susceptible to uh, running backs or they have a, a porous run defense. Uh, they are and the top five against the pass and the Rams don't really like to run the ball. So this is just a, a recipe for disaster for uh, the Super Bowl champion Rams. Uh, this is, I have the Cowboys taking this game. Um, the Rams are favored by five and a half, which is surprising. So mm-hmm. um it might be a must-win game for the Rams. We'll we'll see what happens, but especially for a team with a shitty home field advantage, you know, yeah. at least at least in terms of a ruckus crowd and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So the uh, going back, and this is the final point I'll make on this: the only time we approached a Steelers fourteen-point underdog was Super Bowl Thirty when they nineteen ninety-six. They lost to the Cowboys. They were thirteen and a half point underdogs going into that game. And the tracker that I have from stathead.com goes back to 1980. So if this line holds at 14, this will be the first time they've ever been underdogs by two touchdowns. It's so rare that any team is. Oh, well, there is no, some of those, well, yeah, uh, but some of those shitty teams, uh, remember that during the Broncos (laughs) heyday when they they were like 25 point favorites over the Jaguars in 2013? Oh, geez. Yeah, yeah. there's been some wild ones. I'll do that here in the next couple minutes. I don't think we've scored 25 points since 2014. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My final surprise has to be Geno Smith's performance through four games every week on here. I talk about the machine that I use that uh, uses PFF, EPA, CPOE, and DVOA. And Geno Smith is the top quarterback in the NFL. If you can believe that, uh, I don't think it will continue. I think there is a reason that, you know, he's Geno Smith. I think he'll come back to earth, but right now, statistically speaking, his team is also winning a little bit. Geno Smith through the first quarter of the season has been the best quarterback in the NFL. And if you don't agree, then you just don't believe in statistics. Cody (laughs) final one of the week before we get into week five stuff. Awesome. On the same page again, uh, I got, (laughs) I'm talking about this new cook in the kitchen in Seattle, dicing up these defenses. Geno Smith made it to where the Seahawks did not punt once in a 48 to 45 game against the lions. Um, who would have thought this is, it's like we're living in the twilight zone. Uh, just a couple of years ago, it was Jared Goff versus Pat Mahomes on that crazy um, similar score. I don't know the exact score, but 
it's even crazier that this is Jared Goff's um, second second time uh, being part of a game like that. You, it's just not mm-hmm. a game that not a person that you would guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, back to Geno Smith, uh, he had seventy six percent completion, three hundred twenty yards, two touchdowns. He was using his legs. I mean, the guy was perfect on play action. This is all words that I wasn't expecting to say a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, d- just the fact that him and Drew Locke were battling this long at this point, it, it's almost starting to look like a joke. Um, <laughs> there's a couple other things happening on the on Seattle that I also noticed since I'm actually looking at Seattle now. They got another Richard Sherman lookalike in the at corner and Tariq Woolen. I kind of had my eyes on him during the draft. He's like six foot four, runs a four, three forty. This guy's showing out. He's like a fifth round pick, just like Richard Sherman was. Look for this guy. He's already a starter. He's ascended in the past couple of weeks, and he's been showing out. You'll start to see him when the Seahawks play, assuming that we're going to be watching more Seahawks football because they're definitely going to keep this up all year, right, Dustin? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not buying it, but I, I like to. I'm along for the ride. Usually, a guy, a backup dude, doesn't have four weeks worth of stellar play. And but by the way that he jumped up my machine, my calculator, mm-hmm. he must have just been absolutely flawless against the Lions. Um, a couple dudes really dropped, like our guy Trevor Lawrence. He fell like six, seven spots. I don't know. Yeah, he must he have had a real turd in the final three quarters. Yeah, um, four fumbles. I was like, I was so happy <laughs> seeing the game. I was all feeling like a savant, like dusting the dust off my shoulders. And then they roared back. I was like, oh, you know, it's the rain again. Yeah. And, but I, I did want to say, speaking of backups, the Lions put up 520 yards with all backups. Right. Except for TJ Hawkinson, who led the league in receiving yards. I feel like I'm just making stuff up during this segment <laughs> all right it's alternate reality uh jason your final takeaway from week four if you got one yeah you know as a desperate fan <laughs> you always try to find weird scenarios that you can then use as facts to convince yourself that things are okay man jason you're in a dark place <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've been in the, I've been in a dark place for a half a decade, Cody. Uh, no, but seriously. And, and 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 no, I'm not in that spot. I actually am at peace with what's going on in Denver right now. Unlike a lot of fans that I see on Twitter, but per I'm gonna just going to throw these stats in, per NFL network. San Francisco forgot who's uh, who's uh, rankings. These were are the number fifth ranked team and power rankings this year. We beat them. Denver beat him. Nobody's going to take that from me. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm also going to revel in the fact that, well, I mean, what did you want us to do? Beat the best quarterback in football? Of course, we lost by one, but it was a close game. Geno Smith, we lose to. (laughs) I mean, of course. I mean, now it's all coming out in the wash. I mean, who wouldn't lose to this guy? Yeah, I mean, the, he is the best quarterback in football. That is exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. I mean, you got to, I mean, if you're going to take a loss to the best quarterback in the NFL, you might as well, and only by one point at that and hold them to 17 points or 19 points, you chalk that up as a victory, a moral victory. We'll take it. Uh, Jason, that game that we were talking about was October 13th, 2013. The Broncos taking on the Jaguars were 26 and a half point favorites. Oh, my goodness. Yep, they won 35 19. So they didn't cover. <laughs> Um, but yeah, 26 and a half point favorites. That is it. And then, yeah. And 35 that year was kind of a low scoring affair for those, t- that team. I, 
it's, it's amazing to me because I can't even imagine what it would feel like to score that many points nowadays. <laughs> All right, Wes, give us your final one, and then we'll get into week five. Uh, final one is uh, how about this 10-day uh, stretch for uh, Tom Brady? Um, oh, lost yeah. to, the, to the Packers on national television. Lost to uh, the Chiefs the following week on national television, and then two days later, um, a myriad of rumors that he and uh, Giselle Bunchen have uh, sought legal cons- counsel for uh, this dissolution of their marriage. So, um, while also staring down the barrel of a hurricane. Yeah, and yes. is it Antonio Brown's fault that that marriage is falling <laughs> apart? Have y'all seen those rumors? Yeah, he posted a photo of him with Giselle on his Instagram, yeah. talking about I, I forgot what the caption was, but it was something about like truth or I don't know, some vague, that. yeah, some vague caption. And then all the rumors yeah. come out, and people were talking about how Antonio Brown stayed at their house over the summer, and then you got videos coming up of Antonio Brown. Pulling his pecker out at the public pool at a hotel and yeah. being all wild. And you're over here thinking, like, how good was he really in Tampa? <laughs> yeah, geez, that is. That I don't want to lend any credit towards it, but it does make you kind of think. Y'all know how I am with these crazy Twilight Zone theories. Just like I didn't want to say Lamar Jackson to Miami looking more real by the week. Just saying. <laughs> uh, for the pool thing, he claims that he was depanced by that lady in the pool. Um, rather, rather than just pure like exhibitionism or a, assault or yeah. perverted. I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff Depends. that happens in the Brady house. So, <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought that up because when you thought, talked about any Antonio Brown, I just thought you were bringing up the fact that he pulled his cock out at the pool. But, uh, but then I also did see the picture, but I just thought it was with him and some white lady. I didn't put it together and it was Giselle. I just, I thought that was the woman that took his pants down. And it's like, why are you doing this to the goat? This yeah. man let you in his house. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's no shame with him. No, no shame. All right. My, my first week five thing is probably something that Jason should close his ears. Um, it involves the Broncos. And my take here is if they don't win tomorrow against the Colts at home, then I firmly believe that the Broncos ceiling would be about eight and nine or nine and eight for this first year experimental gig with Hackett and Wilson. Now, if they win, I think they're back on track towards, you know, 11 and six or whatever. But if they lose at home tomorrow, I am revising how I feel about them. And I'd say the best they're going to do is eight and nine or nine and eight. You want to rebuttal there, Jason? Yeah, well, no, I mean, I, I agree. And I, I think it's it it has to be a um, I mean, <laughs> So I just watched and went over stats and stuff because I was, I was, uh, you know, Marquette's obviously, you know, he wants to see good football for a change. Never seen it. He's never seen it. He sat with me and watched, you know, dark football, Cody, dark. It's been dark since he's been, you know, old enough to, to pay attention. And, but I had to show him how, um, how Manning's team started, um, you know, won their first, lost their second two, won their, um, well, they started two and three, right? And then that sixth, that sixth game, they were down 24 nothing to the Chargers. Oh, wow. And then that's when they came from behind and won that, and then they didn't lose again. Now, it's a different circumstance, different situation, I understand. I mean, if Manning was the new piece. Everything else was kind of pretty much there. Um, but I do got to keep that into perspective, and it's going to take time when there's this many moving parts. I don't think that – I mean, I, I still think that they'll be able to get the 10 wins. Um 
But I think they need to not only win, but I think they need to put up that that game that I think everybody's kind of been waiting for, where it's been, you know, the offense kind of got going last week. There's been great piece, great parts of each game that I've really loved. I mean, their defense, what they did to the Niners was absolutely incredible. Haven't seen it since 2015. Then they come out against the Raiders, completely lay a stinker. <laughs> when the offense finally gets going and they get Judy a touchdown, Sutton a touchdown, a bomb to Hamler. Um, and, and Russ get the, gets the running touchdown, still not as wow as I think that I would like it to be, but it was there and the defense couldn't come up. So I think if they can all put it together, I want to see a win, a good win, um, a game where I don't have to sit and worry the whole time. <laughs> you know, I saw a stat somewhere that said, and we talked about this over the summer. Um, it said that Russell Wilson has thrown over the middle two times. This season, one for an incomplete pass and the other for an interception. I definitely think that if he's going to take that next step and start showing out, he has to figure out a way to get over that fear of the middle of the field. So after I saw that tweet, I went and searched up Russell Wilson throw middle on Twitter, and it brought up tweets going all the way back to 2014, talking about how he just needs to throw over the field more and, you know, things along the same lines and it's just another year of Russell Wilson not throwing over the middle and I think that if this guy can just figure that out and get those passes in there I don't think that this Broncos team especially without Javante is set up to win completely on the boundary not without Tim Patrick not without Javante Williams not with Albert O not showing up Uh, I think the key to unlocking Russell Wilson is gonna get him it's it's gonna get him to expose what people aren't game planning for so I think that What's wrong with Russell Wilson so far this year is everybody knows where he's going with the football. If he goes with it, if he starts exposing those spots that they think he's not going to go to, I think it's lights out. This is an 11 win team for sure. But if if Hackett can't figure that out, Russell Wilson can't figure that out. This Broncos team is missing the playoffs. Uh, Cody, because we went over in our week four segment, give me your first of two things that you're looking forward to for week five. Uh, Yeah, for sure. The Sunday night football game, Bengals and Ravens, Mm -hmm. Uh, Joe Burrow has shown that he he, he's a primetime guy. Uh, He is averaging the most passing yards per primetime game quarterbacks um, with 317 uh, since 1970. Um, And then we also see about the Ravens. They're susceptible to giving up big passing games to opposing quarterbacks, especially in Baltimore. So, I mean, with the bright lights, I think we're set up for a shootout between these two rival teams that do not like each other. And, you know, the Ravens, after the Miami game and the Bills game, they got a pretty bad taste in their mouth. And um, they both are two and two, correct? Mm-hmm. So whoever wins that becomes the early front runner to win the North with a little tiebreaker on top of it. Yep. Bengals plus three at the Ravens. Jason, you're one of two things that you're looking forward to to watch or... Um, you know, something has big implications in week five. Yeah. Uh, so no, well, these two, I mean, uh, both are pretty much equal for me. And, and like you guys mentioned earlier with the uh, potential trap game that the bills are looking ahead to with the chiefs. Um, I got the same situation only with the chiefs and the Raiders. And I don't think that the chiefs can really look at that as a trap game, considering it's a, it's a division rival. Um, and, but it is the Raiders. I mean, they are one and three, but I think the Raiders can come in and um, knock off a Chiefs fan, a uh, Chiefs team that that also could be looking ahead to Buffalo. 
And if that's the case, then the, then the AFC West just got a whole lot more interesting and potentially back on track to what we all thought it could potentially be. Um, with the and, exception of anyway, what? And with Gruden, with Gruden, they used to be able to pull off some wins against the Chiefs, no matter how high flying the Chiefs were at the time. I don't know if yeah. they'll do that with McDaniel's, but uh, yeah, you know, the Raiders, yeah. they don't they don't have the Chiefs number. But if somebody's going to beat the Chiefs, it's usually them, right? Yeah, it seems that way. It mm-hmm. seems that way. And and some and as of late, they they've been able to do that pretty. I hate to say it easy. I remember a couple of games, right? I mean, a couple touchdown, couple touchdown digit, you know, victories, but I think that that could very well be. And you never know. I mean, like I said, if, if the Raiders can somehow do that, um, they're right back in it. Um, knocks the chiefs down a little bit. This is a big, big game. I think. West so the, mm-hmm. the Raiders have beat the chiefs twice since 2014 <laughs> uh, we're talking yeah. recency bias cody we're talking <laughs> the last couple of years so well i mean they haven't beat them since 20 the early 2020 at that rate well i mean they're three and one in the past two years i, I think patrick mahomes i can't get that look off of his face whenever Devin white's trying to sack them down there by the end zone and i don't know if y'all saw it but they did a still shot patrick mahomes he got his tongue all twisting out of his mouth and he's smiling. He's just having a good time doing that trick play. <laughs> so good. A touchdown. And it's just like, dude, you're just on another level. It's, it's unfair. It's insane. Yeah. Especially yeah. we're talking losing Tyreek Hill. One of the, if not one of the, if not the best weapon for a quarterback like Mahomes, and he's just tearing it up regardless. I think that we were all kind of so far vindicated. I think all of us said it's really not going to matter that much. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't a worldwide take. So kudos. Uh, Wes, what's your one of two things you're looking for? Uh, Looking for or looking at the Falcons at Buccaneers game Um, as a fantasy football player. uh, What Arthur Smith is doing in Atlanta is um, mind numbing, mind bending, (laughs) illegal, uh, illegal. (laughs) He's a. He's a vampire, as uh, some people have referred mm-hmm. to him as. Um, he wants to run the ball at all costs. Um, he just lost his starting running back, Cordell Patterson, uh, who had a, a knee scope and will be out for uh, four games at least um, on IR. Um He has a collection of other running backs that should be able to step in and fill in. Uh, but they're going to be going up against the one, one of the stingiest run defenses in Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa's going to force them to pass, and we have yet to see Kyle Pitts, uh, their um, fourth overall pick in last year's draft, really be featured at, at all in, in any game. And um, that's kind of baffled a lot of people. It's not like he's lining up in line to help block. Mm-hmm. He's he's on the boundary and they just aren't doing anything for him. And it's just, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it not even a chance. No, absolutely no sense. So um, that's kind of what I'm looking for in week five is does Arthur Smith get his head out of his ass? And does he he want longevity in the job in Atlanta? Uh, you have to go to 
your weapons. You have to utilize your high draft picks uh, and feature them. So, yeah. And it's crazy to think that Kyle Pitts had a thousand yards last year because it, it doesn't seem like it's going to be like that this year. No. By the way, I've seen enough that I'd need to see from Marcus Mariota. Let's put Ritter in. It's, yeah. Already I'm at that point. Marcus Mariota's not, he's doing exactly what he did in Tennessee. Exactly <laughs> what he did. And Wes, yeah. you talked about the the fantasy football part. It, it's it's like you have to keep starting pits under that this is the the week that they realize yes. that he's good. And then each week he comes up with three or four points, then you look like a douche for not for not switching him out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it's and it's not like some fringe guy that you have you think is gonna, you know be something later down his career. He's already this good. We saw yep. it last year on a team that doesn't have oodles of targets. Right. So that's why it's so mind numbing. I'm, I, I have him, I think in two leagues and I, I, you know, I put on the clown makeup every week and I start. Yep. Him. Yeah. Yep. And, and it's like, even if you want to trade him, what are you going to trade him <laughs> for? Like a George, a George Kittle who he's might be doing a little bit better, but you know, as soon as you trade Kyle Pitts, he's going to go <laughs> off for 180 exactly. yards. Exactly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, let's see. My last one is a uh, upset alert, and I'm sticking with this doubling down from my late summer. I'm taking the Cardinals over the Eagles. Uh, yes, I believe the Eagles are darn good, but they're not going to go undefeated. Uh, the Cardinals, I think, show glimpses of being a team that'll probably finish, you know, six, seven seed to the postseason, or at least that's their aspiration. Uh, so my my prediction is at home. Kyler Murray outduels Jalen Hurts. And then the other thing I want to mention is that the winner of Chargers Browns begins their mini push to the postseason. At least uh, they're both two and two. They both have good rosters, and whichever team wins that will start to be a wild card contender, in my opinion. And that's that's with Jacoby Brissett keeping the seat warm until Deshaun Watson gets back. Cody, what's your final thing of the week five you're looking forward to? Uh, I'll go ahead and jump on with the. Um, Chargers and Browns, you got um, the Cowboys quarterback, uh, man, I can't, oh, Cooper Rush. We're all talking about how he, how great of a job he's doing, keeping this team afloat. Nobody's talking about the Browns just waiting water before Deshaun Watson comes back. I mean, I know people don't want to talk about Deshaun Watson, but they are going to get an elite quarterback later this year, being two and two, especially if they beat the Chargers and go up yeah. to three and two. Uh, that's a big leg up, especially in, um, the AFC North where the Ravens and the Bengals are kind of not closing out games like they should. Um, so I, we're all rooting for, I feel like America's rooting for Jacoby Brissett at this point, if they're rooting for the Browns at all. Um, so um, another week of watching uh, Jacoby Brissett leave his heart out there and being curious about, you know, if this is a team with a winning record, they turn things over to Deshaun and they start losing games or even miss the playoffs. They're just they're just like the Cowboys in the sense of can't do anything about it. You're on this ride. Let's just let's just ride this out. So, I'm I'm super curious to see how this Browns keeps going and Nick Chubb is just tearing up the league right now. That's got to be the best running back in the league. Yeah, and I, I want to say that that wasn't heavily forecasted by fantasy brains. I don't know if they thought he'd slow down, not necessarily, but nobody had him as the number 1 overall pick or even number 2. <laughs> So yeah, now today he shouldn't make it out of the top five for sure. Yeah. All right, Jason, the final thing of the week you're looking forward to. Um, final thing of the week I'm looking forward to is my Jets <laughs> getting the uh 
you know, I think that they're in a good, good position to, to actually get themselves in, um, tied for, I'm talking over the course of the next couple of weeks, given what the bills do. Um, let's say that trap game does come to fruition <laughs> and the Steelers pull an upset, we'll say, but that won't happen. But nonetheless, if the Jets win, that what that would get them as uh, tied for second place, right? To the Bills? No, Miami's depends on. Uh, well, Bills are in Miami's three right and now. one. Jets yeah. play Miami. So if they beat the oh. Jets. Uh, oh, they, gotcha. Gotcha. If they beat Miami, then that would tie them with Miami, obviously. And then. Yeah. That'd be a, a two-way tie for second with an opportunity to, if they keep rolling, I think it's a big game for the Jets, this young, hungry Jets team. And I'm hoping that uh, that they are as different as I thought that they were at the beginning of the year, especially after with uh, having such a stellar draft class, which seems to be really, really working out for them this year. Zach Wilson back. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited to see what the Jets can do, not only for this game, um, and it's a good opportunity for them with, you know, te- uh, with Teddy being the one at the controls. I mean, but then again, that could benefit the Dolphins. Who knows? But um, I'm interested to see what the Jets can do um, starting this week, moving forward. Um, I wouldn't want to play them. Yeah, I don't have any proof for this, and I'm going to sound like an idiot probably, but Zach Wilson just looks like he has it. Am I right? I mean, I, I, yeah, he, he just looks like he could be the guy. It's not like you have Brett Hundley walking out there going to start the game. I mean, Zach Wilson looks like a franchise quarterback. I don't have any proof that he plays like one. But <laughs> y'all yet, know how hyped yet. up looks I am like for these second-year QBs. I hope he takes off because the Jets, they're ready. They're Well, maybe not ready, but they have pieces that are ready to be used by a good quarterback with all their receivers they have. They have three good receivers over there. Brees Hall, like I mentioned, is great. Sauce Gardner looks like the real deal for yeah, sure. Zach Wilson looks like the type of guy that you'd want to hang out with, but secretly hate. <laughs> yeah. Cause he's with your mother whenever you are. <laughs> yeah. 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 You secretly just hate him with envy. <laughs> Wes, your final thing of the week, week five. Uh, we didn't come all this way to not talk about uh, Vikings bears. Uh, although our, our guests couldn't make it, um, you know, I, I'm going to, bang that drum. I want to see, um, and I I hope that there's not a, um, Europe hangover from the Vikings. Um, a lot of times the teams going over to Europe have a bye week the following week, uh, both the saints and the Vikings implored the NFL brass to allow them to have that, uh, bye week a little later in the season. And, so we we have the a home game against the Bears, and this is an opportunity for the Vikings to hopefully really flex their muscle. Uh, although this is a division game, and these games against the Bears are usually close, this Bears offense is atrocious. Um, <laughs> they he, here's a here's a fact on the Bears: Tom Brady has. 23,996 career passing yards and 174 touchdowns in his forties alone. That's 50. I'm sorry. That's 500 more yards and 20 more touchdowns than the bears all time passing leader, Jay Cutler, Tom Brady playing only in his forties would be the bears leading passer in team history. Oh, you want another stat? Let's go to another stat. (laughs) That's incredible. Um, 
Oh, fuck. I lost it. God dang it. Uh, but yeah, that's <laughs> laughable to, to say the least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I saw something that uh, on Twitter where like all of their stats as a team is all 28th or worse, if not 32nd. And someone said, I can't wait to see how we win this game 14 to 6. Because <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> this is how those Bears Vikings games go. Well, yeah. see, here's the deal, though. That's you. Uh, that is indeed true, but it's usually at Soldier Field. Like the the games, for the most part, well, U.S. Bank Stadium, they're usually meaningless because it's the final week of the season, and one team's mm-hmm. out. We're both out, um, and so the real goofy shit happens in Chicago. Now, if, of course, there are circumstances in rivalry history where the weird stuff has happened at the Metrodome. But r- really, the the weird stuff that you can feel like you just guaranteed to be sloppy that happens at soldier field. So I think that's why I'm sticking to the Vikings finally getting a, a big uh, margin when um, I just feel that they're due for it. And I think, uh, I think that the NFL teams will use what they did in London as a blueprint. If they're successful this week, because they basically treated it like a road game. Um, I found that other stat uh, for receiving yards on on the year, Tyreek Hill has 477 yards. The Chicago Bears have 471 yards in total. <laughs> the total? In total. Oh, my goodness. And I, I think it was like Justin Fields has 38 pass completions on the year. And I, I want to say Brady had over that in just the game last week. Or, or Man, what did. is it? What are they? I don't. I don't know what's going on up there. I was kind of looking forward <laughs> to talking to those guys tonight because I figured they might be able to <laughs> tell us a little something. But I mean, nothing, it's like they nothing. don't even. It's like they don't even want to open the door to see what's what's behind Justin Fields. I saw a mock draft mm-hmm. that just came out from a respected writer that had the Bears taking another quarterback at the top five next year and Bryce Young. And it's like, man, it's they're not even going to pull. Well, I mean, I guess they could trade Fields. Someone would take him at that point, but. I don't know what Chicago's doing. Nothing well, that, can put you in a darker place. <laughs> well, that's the, well, the thing with them, and I'm I'm with you. I wish that Alfredo and Jonathan could have been on here because I fully understand rebuilding a, new, a general manager coming in, doing some rebuilding, cleaning house. But when you have a quarterback who's in his second year, you want to empower him. So the only thing that <laughs> I I can think of is that they just don't really give a shit about empowering him. And when he, we had them on last time, I think Alfredo kind of hinted at like some sabotage. Like one of them yeah. said, like they're either making it so that they can give him a clean slate in year three when they really step on the gas or, or the other one uh, said like, well, they just, I think what they kept saying is they have no loyalties to these guys. I think that's what Alfredo kept saying, Mm, but but, they want their own guys in there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What you want to do with a second year quarterback, especially a first rounder is the complete opposite of what they've done. You don't want to just put a bunch of assholes around him and say, go do your thing. You want to give him like what the dolphins have done. You know, give him these weapons that are just irresistible and, so unless Fields just isn't the apple of their eye, I don't get it. I, I love it. I hope they do it every year this way. Um, but I just can't I can't figure out the plan. Yeah, I like the way that the Lions did theirs to where, I mean, they're taking like Aiden Hutchinson, even another pass rusher in the second round instead of 
dip it in on Ritter or something like that. So by the time a quarterback actually gets to the Lions, I mean, they're the number one ranked offense in the league right now, <laughs> and they're still expected to take a quarterback next year. So, I mean, if anything, everybody talks about how Kansas City had the ultimate blueprint. Lions might be on to something here. I mean, Jared Goff is playing out of his mind. He still had a back-breaking pick six, but the Bears definitely need to take a page from the Lions for sure. And the fact that Dan Campbell came on last year and they pulled the trigger on the golf trade and he had to say, I can win. I can do my thing with this guy because they've had two drafts since then to go, you know, force the heir apparent draft pick. And they didn't do that with Malik Willis or Pickett or anything. They just said, no, we got golf for two years and evidently are waiting for this juicy 2023 draft. Mm-hmm. And it shows a lot of discipline. And Jared Goff has paid a lot too. Last time yeah. I checked, he's, he's like paid he's top cousin's three. Contract. Like, yeah, it's insane. Yeah, he's that dude is what a life. That's oh a yeah, life. he's got cousin's contract, <laughs> but kind of like everything else, nobody cares. They're just like, oh yeah, okay. And so, all right, gentlemen, we'll be I back. One, yeah, let's hear it, Wes. One final stat here: <laughs> um, the Baltimore Ravens have trailed a total of fourteen seconds this season. They are two oh, and two. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, they're gonna tear up the Bengals. <laughs> no, that's gonna be a good game. That's gonna be yeah. Good. yeah. That's that. That's that one's marvelous too. Yeah. All right. Well, Jason, thanks for pointing out that AFC thing. That's super intriguing because that means that there's like about eight teams that are two and two that are so pivotal right now. Yeah, and that's what that's what I'm saying. It kind of, that in and of itself, you know, I mean, I I, it, I feel the same way you do. Uh, part of me does about you know the the need for a win tomorrow. But if mm-hmm. if a, yeah. Primarily because you can't go into that long week on a loss. Yeah, I wouldn't be if this was in Indianapolis, I wouldn't have offered up my eight, nine, nine, eight stuff. But in fact, it's at home. They got to win that one to show that, you know, we've got some oomph. We got to win. That's that's why. And I think they need to win it good in front of their fans because these so far, these primetime games have been useless. (laughs) I mean, really, right? They they may not get asked to come back on. (laughs) And the Colts. (laughs) just aren't very good much to all of our chagrin. We were wrong about them. 16 fumbles for Matt Ryan. I I was not, I was not wrong about the Colts. Matt Ryan has (laughs) always been duty, but did they, but I, I challenge you to go look, look at some of the Colts metrics. And as a team, they, they're just, you know, not very good at all. So yeah, hopefully we can uh, we can play uh, a good game to the, tomorrow night. We're due for one. Yeah, we're having this conversation about the Seahawks in week one, so we'll see. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, we'll be back uh, next Wednesday to go through week five, preview week six. All right. Hey, appreciate Amazing. it, fellas. Nice right. seeing y'all. Good night, guys. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.